have tried to get myself in a frame of mind that the Apostle Paul wrote many wonderful things that were on his heart to uh, the churches in Ephesus, and he had one way that he could close this letter. The Holy Spirit working through Paul as he wrote this down to these brand new believers, some of them coming completely from, any, from outside of any kind of a background of faith at all. He gets one way to close this letter, and this is it. These are the last two verses in this letter. We looked at 21 and 22 uh, last week. We, uh, today we'll look at the, the last two uh, 23 and 24, next week we will do a, an overall summary of Ephesians. Looking forward to summarizing some of the truth that uh, we have studied in this letter. We'll get to see a little bit of that today. And looking forward to uh, the opportunity to see uh, how these couple of verses, this uh, ending to this powerful, powerful portion of God's word to us, uh, how this ending can stir our hearts, how we can make the most of this time together. So uh, here they are, last two verses of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapters 6, 23 and 24, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. If you are newer to considering Christianity, or if you would say, I don't know a ton about the claims of Jesus, I don't know a ton about how to follow Jesus or to, to live a life as a, a believer or to be a part of a local church, there are some really powerful goals that all Christians should have. Paul chooses to highlight some of those at the end. And in, in, in powerful ways, I've used the word exclusive today in the title of this. In powerful ways, these goals are exclusive to our desires to honor the Lord in the way that we live our lives. So exclusive goals today of being Christians, whether you've been a believer for a number of decades, a number of years, or even just weeks or months, or if you're considering following Jesus and what that means for your life, as we conclude this, as we look at the very end of this letter, we'll make some connections for how we should live our lives, lives that only Christians uh, can live talked about Afghanistan uh, today. Thank you, Joe, for praying over this nation. My question to you is, do you believe there is peace in Afghanistan? I'm not trying to teach a social studies class today. I'm not trying to get your mind off to all the different uh, opinions you've heard or opinion pieces that you may have read or background information that you may have sought if you don't know a ton about Afghanistan. I encourage you, as a side note, to, to learn when these situations come up. 
information moves very quickly in our day and age, but is there peace? Do you believe there's peace in Afghanistan? I will submit to you, challenge you today to think that in part the answer to that question is absolutely. In part, the answer to the question, is there peace in Afghanistan, the answer is absolutely. Where there are men and women and children in Afghanistan who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, even though their lives may be under direct threat because they follow Jesus, there is peace in Afghanistan. Is there peace in our souls as we think about these sorts of things that happen not only here, we know this because it's in the news, but it happens all over our world on a regular basis where believers are threatened. Is there peace in our souls as we process this? In part, the answer to that question should be absolutely. We can have peace as we pray and as we lift up our brothers and sisters. It leads us into our first point, first goal. I'm not try, <laughs> trying to be creative today. I'm just going with the first word in, in verse 23. It says peace. How does Paul end this letter? He gets one shot. I'll go with the first, first word here, of the second to last sentence, and it's peace. A peaceful unity. Peace be to the brothers. Um, if you've studied some of the letters that Paul wrote to different locations or individuals about the formation of church gatherings... That's, that's the role that these letters play. They didn't know how to be at church, and so there's a lot of instruction on what to believe and how to conduct yourselves when you're at church. Some of you that have studied the letters, you know that Paul a lot of times says grace and peace. Grace and peace. It's a repeated phrase in his letters. Grace and peace. Look here. Peace. Peace. Be to the brothers. Grace isn't until 24. We'll get to grace in a moment. But he starts with peace. It is a massive theme in Ephesians that we have looked at Paul's desire for unity among the body of Christ. Here's chapter 2. I'm going to go back and read verses 14 to 18. This is talking about Jesus. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You see this theme of peace. The immediate context here is Jewish people who would have lived in these regions around the city of Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus is an urban area uh, distinct from the culture that we would have uh, encountered throughout uh, the Gospels, a lot of rural, a lot of agriculture in the land of, of the Jewish people. 
Not that there weren't some cities, of course, but uh, Ephesus is more of an urban region. And so um, Gentiles, those who aren't Jewish by their birth or by their race, are also coming to faith in Jesus. These are people who may not have had any background in faith at all, and they're coming to, to, to the message of the gospel, and they're putting their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. They're trusting in the grace of God. And what Paul says is that the, the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to bring those two groups of people, culturally, ethnically, racially different, together. Peace be to the brothers and sisters. I want you to think of a place where you might go that you would feel completely out of place. For some of the younger people in the room, maybe this is a nursing home where you go into the place and you have, maybe some of our younger people in the room have never been to a nursing home, don't know what it's like can be a very different experience than day-to-day -day life if you're a younger person. Maybe that place in your mind is a, a college campus. <laughs> hey, I don't know about being on a college campus. Maybe it's been a while for some of us. That, that just sounds like that's a place where I would feel, I'd feel out of place. Maybe you feel a little bit out of place coming to youth night tonight. Youth are going to lead church family worship, and you feel a little out of place because you don't know a whole lot about teenagers, but you're intrigued because you might get a taco. Well, come anyway. Get a taco. But imagine going to one of these places. What emotions? Fear, perhaps anxiety, uncertainty, maybe, maybe anger. Maybe a place that you can't relate to stirs your anger because uh, of some situation or whatever is going on. But imagine in one of those places you find somebody who shares your belief in Jesus. And you don't become exactly like they do, and they don't become exactly like you do because your upbringings are different. You come from maybe different educational backgrounds. You speak a little bit differently, or you have different values. But you have unity. You have peace because you love Scripture. You love Jesus. You care for other believers. You encourage them, and you're able to talk about your church and your fellowships. Peace in the midst of turmoil. There's power, friends, in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, here's another encouragement from Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me flip over. I'll read verses 1 through 6. Chapter 4 is the beginning of the second half of the letter, and it becomes a lot more practical in the challenges. In the, in the beginning of the letter, Paul is teaching specifics of what to believe why to believe that. And so in chapter 2, we see that people from different backgrounds can come together. And in chapter 4, we see uh, a challenge. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, or for the Lord, excuse me, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with a humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, there's some doctrine in here what to believe, right? There's one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's some teaching in here. There's one body and one spirit. That links back with chapter 2 and what he was saying about how we're unified by the Holy Spirit, who is God, who comes to live inside of us when we believe. So there's unity there. But what is the encouragement? 
But our lives will look different when we have this peace, when, we're, when we want this unity among believers. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling, with humility, verse 2, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Those are difficult things to do. Those are challenges. And look at verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. With this much language, with this much emphasis on this theme, is it any wonder to us that in closing the letter, he reverses a typical order and he, he sets peace among the Christians as an example. This kind of peace... It goes on in 23, and love with faith. We're going to talk a little bit more about love, uh, love among the brothers. And we're going to talk about where that love comes from uh, through our faith in Jesus Christ, our belief that he's died for our sins from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this isn't just a simple kind of peace, hoping for things to not be in conflict hoping that we can just all sort of get along, uh, kind of this, this hope that a lot of people really, really have. But we would say this is exclusive to the believer because it's powered and empowered by the Lord Jesus. We desire a peace, a peaceful unity that is built on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we communicate the gospel, uh, some of you are familiar with the the. Uh, illustration that we use called the three circles. And when we communicate the gospel in the circle about Jesus, we show that Jesus has come down from heaven and that he died on a cross for our sins and that he rose again on the third day. And we draw a crown on the top of this circle to indicate to somebody as they're learning about Jesus for the first time that Jesus is the king of our life and that if we're going to repent of our ways and get out of brokenness, that we can't do it on our own, that we have to trust in Jesus. And, and we can't just say, I want to be forgiven and I want something a little bit different. No, we say Jesus is the Lord of our life. And so we draw a crown on top of that circle to indicate that. That's, that's how Paul is uh, helping us to approach peace and unity. We don't do it just because we're nice people or we want to be a little bit better. We do it because Jesus is our Lord. And his death is designed to bring us together. Don't skip that connection. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the unity of God. We've seen several references to the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all in this letter. God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ are right here at the end. And we see that as a challenge that in the unity of God should be reflected in the unity of his people. All right, we want that to be a challenge to us as we continue to walk forward. All right, second is to experience grace. Beginning of verse 24, grace be with all. I'm going to stop there. So peace to the brothers, of course the sisters. Grace. It's interesting to note in the Greek there's an article. It says literally the grace. English translations just drop off the the because it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to add a the there. However, if these are exclusive goals of Christianity, and we just leave the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the previous sentence, the grace connected to Jesus. How do we get this grace? We don't get it 
because we want to give it or receive it. We get it because of faith in Jesus. And so the grace, a specific grace in Jesus. Let's see how Paul talked about this in the letter. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. Now, sometimes I'll bold in the other scripture references. Not only did I bold today, I made it another color. This is really important. By grace, are you saved? What this does in someone who is thinking about what it means to follow Jesus, thinking about how to order their relationship with God and people, thinking about how to make any notable change, how to overcome sin, how to leave the past behind, how to think about how I'm going to have eternal life. It strips away any temptation we may have as human beings to stand on our own merit and to say, well, because I did this and because I was better than so-and-so and I was far enough ahead of the curve of the rest of the class, God will probably let me into heaven. I'll probably have a chance at growing because I'm a decent guy or gal and I got a mind and I can understand some words and I can try to put them into practice. A lot of eyes in those statements. And if that's our justification before God, it's not a minor error. It's absolutely wrong. And it means we're in big trouble. By grace are you saved through When we see at the end of chapter 6, grace be with all, it's a powerful reminder, a reminder that we need every day. Grace be with you all. Not your merit make you better than all <laughs> or good enough with some others that will be there. Grace be with you all couple ways I want to encourage you to think about grace. One of those is personally. It can be hard to accept something that we don't deserve or don't feel that we've earned. Anybody got a little bit of trouble sometimes accepting help from people? Okay. See a few hands of people being honest. <laughs> it can be hard to accept help from people. Why? Why is that? Because we want to provide for ourselves, and, and when we accept help, it makes us feel like, oh, we, we can't, or somehow we're less. No. I want, want to encourage you to learn how to accept grace. I want you to learn how to accept grace from God. Have you forgiven yourself for that thing you did? Or do you allow Satan that foothold that just keeps coming up and saying, remember that? Remember that? Remember that? No, there's grace. If we ask for forgiveness and if we surrender our lives and we go, God is faithful and just. He will forgive us of our sin. It's a free gift. Let's not create any scenario in our mind where we've done something God can't forgive. Let's not do that. Personally, can we accept grace from God, from others in our lives? Grace be with all. Other people may need grace. Yesterday, 
I got a, I got a rental car. I'm not going to go into this whole scenario. It's been a fiasco. I got rear-ended on the boulevard on June 18th, my son's birthday. Happy birthday, David. We're mowing donuts, waiting for the, you know, the cop to come and, and everything. And so they do the police report. And I've been waiting for the other driver's insurance to pay my claim. And I've called every once in a while to ever so kindly remind this insurance company that it's their obligation to pay the claim. <laughs> I got hit. I'd like to get my car fixed sometime before I perish from this earth. Please, would you do this for me? And so finally, events came into, um, I think there was a massive move of God, actually. <laughs> and, and they told me that I could go and get my car fixed. So I took my car, and they said, they'll have a rental car waiting for you. And so I, I thought when they offered me, you know how when you get a rental car, they offer you the insurance, and they want you to spend the money. And the one thing they, they had, it sounded really good. And so I was like, okay, do that. All right, I'll spend a little bit of money every day to have a little bit extra peace of mind. I don't normally do that, but for some reason in the moment, it sounded good. Well, then I was like, okay, I'm not going to be driving the car a whole lot the next few days. I called them up. I said, can I cancel this? They're like, yeah, you just have to bring the car so we can look at it and make sure you're not pulling one over on us. I said, okay, I get that. So I go out there yesterday, and I was like, hey, I want to cancel this insurance. And the guys there who had the conversation with me, and there's another guy behind the computer, and they're playing this music that I've never heard before. And the guy is behind the computer, and he says, oh, it says here that you don't even have that insurance. And then he looks at the guy that was supposed to have the conversation with me like, oh, this is clearly not my problem. Now this is his. Right? And so we come to this conclusion that basically the guy whiffed. He whiffed. He didn't add the insurance that I told him that I wanted to have. So I got some options at this point. I can raise a stink. Right? I can make it clear, abundantly clear, make sure they know, extra know, that they messed the whole thing up. Or I can say, okay, I guess it's a mix-up, and I'll go on my way. I told him, I said, <laughs> some of you are probably thinking, no, Kevin, you didn't do that. <laughs> no, I did. I said, hey, guys, I guess this is a big mix-up. Um, I guess, you know, I should, didn't have to come out here, but I did, and nothing else. At least I even haven't paid for the other couple of days that I thought I had to pay for, so I'm saving even some more money. All right, it's good. I was close enough to a Taco Bell. I bought myself a Crunchwrap as a consolation prize. All right? Sometimes people need grace. That's a, it's a, it's a piece of cake thing, okay? It's a piece of cake thing. But sometimes people need grace. Uh, increase those circumstances. Increase that uh, potential offense. And, and just, uh, can we accept God's grace? Can we give God's grace? How does Paul write this? Grace be with all who love the Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. Peace be to the brothers, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 23. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. All you're looking for is peace and a little bit of grace to receive or give. You'll miss out on this. Grace is with all who love Jesus. That's where I hope we won't leave without understanding this today. We won't experience peace 
by hiding ourselves from others or judging others or continuing to withhold grace in our lives or lowering others while we raise ourselves up in our own minds and estimations. We won't experience peace by doing that. We experience all of these things that Paul wants to conclude this letter with and the things that he uh, has exposed throughout this letter. We, we get them. They're exclusive. We only get them through Jesus. Grace be with all what? Who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. That means I can identify that the Lord Jesus has suffered and died in my place, who came from the perfection of heaven to this stinky and sin-filled earth to, to bear it for about 33 years and to suffer and die, to live a perfect life and to teach the word of God in the face of persecution and to set that example. If I believe in him, if I trust him for forgiveness of my sin, for a right relationship with God, for eternal life, for wisdom on how to live this life, I'm, I'm making Jesus my Lord. I'm so excited today because I think about I think about what's in store. I think about the opportunities that, that we have as believers at Gospel Memorial Church. I think about the, the church of Akron and Summit County. I think about the church around the world. We get to talk about missions and what God is doing in different parts of the world. I love those things because it's what, it's what unites us. It's the, the love that we have for Jesus. It excites my soul to the very depths of everything that I am, to imagine loving Jesus with you. Because you know what happens when we love Jesus together? These things that Paul wants to happen, God makes them reality. He makes unity a reality. We're able to give and receive grace. We're able to overcome differences. We're able to walk through situations and circumstances and seek what God has. Because you know what happens when we love Jesus? Jesus himself told us the answer. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. That means that we have the opportunity to love Jesus together in this local church and in connection with other believers where we network and we do ministry together or mission. And we love the Lord Jesus together. We obey the Lord Jesus together. And it says the love is incorruptible. That's kind of a, a $5 word for a Sunday morning. I'll just say it's a love that isn't going to change. It isn't going to go anywhere. It isn't going to end. Those are general meanings for the word that is translated here incorruptible. We will grow. We will experience the love of God as we trust. More and more we'll grow in those relationships with him and with each other. It will happen, and our obedience will grow as we love each other and we experience peace and grace through a love of Jesus that is dedicated and pursuing him and sold out to obeying him as our Lord. Twice in these verses, he is mentioned as our Lord. Not a threatening Lord, a unifying, a challenging, a grace-giving, a peace-seeking Lord. Verse 4, that we would be eager, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We can't do that on our own and make a whole lot of progress. 
We'll keep pointing out each other's flaws and failures. And you did this, remember that. And No, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's love, there's faith, there's peace. These are goals that Paul leaves the Ephesian churches with as he concludes this letter. But we'll never experience it if we don't enter in through faith. I want to invite you to this reality of peace and grace as we pursue loving and obeying our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to lead in a time of prayer. I'm going to ask how the Lord may use these words today to, to draw you closer. Maybe it's to make a commitment for the very first time to follow Jesus, accept his grace upon your life, and to respond and say, Lord, I'm done trying. I accept that grace. I want to live in it and find peace with believers and growth. I want that for all of you, for believers, short time, long time. Maybe it's something relational. Maybe it's something current. Maybe it's past or you just have uncertainty. Pray for peace. Pray for God to speak into those areas where we may need peace in our lives. So as our musicians will come and be ready to lead our closing song, uh, let's go to the Lord together and help him, ask him his help in pondering these things. Uh, Spirit lead now in this conversation that we will have together with you. I pray uh, very first and foremost with someone who's uh, listening uh, from home or is in this room right now uh, who has never uh, said I want to build my life upon the grace of God. Upon Jesus instead of myself and my own effort. I want to be saved today by grace and trust that Jesus died to take my punishment. He has done something I never can. I've been boasting. I've been relying on my own effort. And if that's you, it is a beautiful thing to strip all of that away and to say I have nothing before God but the grace of God and my faith in Jesus Christ. If you're making that claim today, uh, reach out to us if you're viewing from home Please uh, speak with uh, myself or somebody you came with or somebody you know. Um, as, as we're interacting with this together, we desire the grace of God upon your life.